0: Radio 100, my name is Raiden Carter, and that is Ali Gady with Alessia Cara, and welcome back. And in the studio, we have two special guests, but before we get to that, you're listening to KOKUFM in Hagutnya, Guam, a division of Moy Communications. And right now, my name is Raiden Carter, and we are here with Independent Guahan. We've got two special guests, very special guests today, because it's both co-chairs. Victoria Lola-Leon and Michael, Michael lujan Bavakwa. Sorry, lots of names, lots of letters. Oh, Anyways, so welcome, guys. Welcome back. Not Independent Guahan. Not as the, the
1: decolonization conversation
0: continues today.
1: Zeus I, Massey, I always love spending my Saturdays with you and with everyone else out there who's listening. I know that we've got people listening across the United States. And there's even a Chamorro who's in Taiwan who is messaging today saying that she's really looking forward to this episode And so I am Michael Lujan Bavako. Right next to me is Victoria Leon Guerrero, and we are the co-chairs for Independent Guahan. Independent Guahan is an organization that is dedicated to educating the community out there about sort of our political status and the possibilities for it, how we could better our island, how we could better take care of our environment, better take care of our families, how we could really empower ourselves if we were to seek independence as a future political status option. And independent Guahan, we have a lot of different activities we normally do in the community, but because of the pandemic, we've been taking more and more of them online on, and on the air. And so the decolonization conversation is part of our efforts to keep talking to you about decolonization, keep talking to you and keep hearing from you, the community, about our political status, so that we can keep ourselves educated and prepare ourselves and keep ourselves strong for the, for the day when we do get to vote, on a new political status and for the day when we really get to negotiate and and head into a more self-determined and sovereign direction. And so the decolonization conversation is part of it. This is episode number 7.
2: Woohoo.
1: Na lotla. And so um, I'm thankful to Hit Radio 100, Ronnie Perez and and Raiden Carter here and uh Jerilyn Atoigui too. Um, for helping us get everything set up. It's been very interesting and exciting reaching a new audience. I've given away a lot of T-shirts because of people who have called in and sent questions. And so thank you so much for all of you out there. Victoria, this is one thing that we're thinking about, like even a trying to regularly sort of have a radio presence in the coming mm-hmm. year because it's been so interesting and engaging.
2: Yes, and I was sharing uh, sharing with you just the other day how many of us who are stuck on the screen much more than we're used to uh, feel a lot of relief being able to just listen to the radio again. <laughs> so um, thank you to all these wonderful radio hosts and radio stations for giving us that option uh, despite changing times. <laughs> You've stayed consistent. Uh, so thank you for listening to to us. Uh, we're very excited uh, this episode. Uh, to welcome some very uh, important guests who had a very tiring week, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, We'll be talking today with um, three of the candidates in our most recent election. Um, And we're going to begin with um, our incumbent senator. And now, again, she was elected to next term. Uh, Senator Sabina Perez. We're very excited that um, she was elected again. I think it speaks volumes to the tremendous work she's done in her first two years. Years at the legislature, um, and you know, for us, Senator Sabina um, has always been someone very consistent in her message around decolonization. She's testified at the United Nations, um, pushing for uh, you know the need to take a look at Guam's situation and see the impediments to our decolonization process. Um, and she's been very vocal about the need for us to maintain sovereignty or control over our water, to protect our resources, uh, to protect our sacred lands, and to also ensure that Chamorro lands return to Chamorro families. So I'm very happy that you were able to join us today. day, Senator Savina.
3: Half a day Victoria and day, Magged and, and Rayton. Thank you for having me on this show. Uh great intro.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. So I, I think um yeah, it's very important, uh, as you could, as you've said, uh, Victoria, that I've been pretty consistent in regards to uh, you know, protecting our resources and I see um, you know, self determination, decolonization is just part of our human rights. You know, what's going to um give us humanity, you know, really and um we, we Sorry, we, we really must. Uh, yeah, I, you know, in my experience throughout the years, uh, you know, we worked. I worked within the framework of of U.S. laws, and um, it's insufficient. It's woefully insufficient uh, to really protect uh, what is near and dear to us. Um, so, as you know, there the firing range that is being constructed over, um, you know, our northern aquifer, you know, which supplies eighty uh, percent of our water, um, and not not only that, it's the um, you know, the endangered species that are found nowhere else on Guam, so, you know, the Hudson Lagu tree, um, you know, the, it's one of the most rare trees in the world, um, and then also the, the cultural resources, um, and I think that the natural resource is uh, an integral part of our cultural resource, because that is what we, that, that is what sustained us, so. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, I, I'm going to continue to doing that work, but yeah, my platform has been, always been about sustainability mm-hmm. and, you know, it takes many different forms, you know, from protecting and our resources our natural resources, but it's also about, um, you know, utilizing our resources more, more wisely, uh, I- including our human resource, which I feel is, uh, one of, uh, another precious resource and, and untapped, um, so, yeah, there's so many things to do. It's uh, The two years is not enough, for sure.
2: And I'm so happy that you have two more. Um, I have another question that I'm going to ask, but I also want to just invite callers while uh, I ask this question and Senator Perez responds. If you have a question and you'd like to call in, uh, please don't hesitate. Call in 477-1003, and you can speak directly with our, um, our Senator Sabina Perez. So, uh, Senator Perez... Um, we had what what is an upset really in terms of trying to think about um, how do we exercise decolonization um, in the Davis versus Gov Guam case? Uh, our government appealed to the Supreme Court, and they they refused to hear the appeal. Um, it, it is an upset in a sense that they they didn't hear the case. But in the same token, it's also an interesting avenue for our people to explore another route, whether it be going to the International uh, Court of Justice or going to an international body to intervene because it is preventing us from exercising uh, our right to self-determination on our terms. Um, or in... Uh, in rewriting the law or writing a new law uh that does allow our people to exercise this right um now that you're you know we're going into a new term uh what are some of your thoughts on this and some ways that we can resolve this issue that is kind of sat uh since we got that news from the supreme court
3: yeah that's a very good question victoria and um you know as you know this is a long-term thing uh, in regards to demanding our human rights and um yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I would take a page from uh, Linda Tahue Smith in that, you know, as far as decolonization goes, that we need to present ourselves or represent ourselves at every forum. And so we must continue the work um, that we've been doing, uh, continually going to the United Nations and, and all these other forums. Um, you know, I, I think that's it's a long-term um it's going to be a long term campaign unless we you know we, uh, one of the things we need to do is develop allies um, you know build build alliances um, you know with uh, different entities in the u s and internationally yeah I think um the uh, human rights commission is is definitely an avenue to to take, um, but I think you know there has to be a multi prong approach you know we need to also build ourselves up um, here on Guam, and you know that's some of the work that I'm doing is making sure that you know we're strong. Uh, we have a strong foundation here, um you know knowing who we are as a people uh and you know building a strong government that um you know that looks out for its people and and you know has good governance policies, so you know there 's so much things to be done, so yeah, it has to be a multi pronged approach um continually representing ourselves nationally internationally, building alliances um and as you know, you know, we we've been doing this work for over fifteen years, right? Mm-hmm. So and um yeah, we we need to continue that that um effort. And it also involves bringing in new people like in our education. We definitely need to incorporate these ideas and, and bring it out um you know, in the public's eye. Uh, kinda like Hawaii what Hawaii is doing is there's there's a huge um I would say a resurgence, right? And uh in their understanding and uh, knowledge and and um, revitalization of the Hawaiian culture and language so these are all things that um, you know need to be done.
2: great i uh, I like what you said about understanding that every every branch of government and all forms of representation that we do have matter. Um, you know, the election is is actually not over yet, and so you know, we had imagined this episode as thinking about reflecting on the election and what people are going to do next term, but we still have a very big decision to make in the runoff for who will represent us in Congress, and so uh, on the issue of decolonization but also on other issues that um, you have been very vocal about including um the contamination, the the contamination of our water due to the the buildup and the construction of um that's occurring up north, as well as the disturbance of um our ancestors' uh, remains and uh, these sacred places that. Um, you have been very vocal about uh, how do you think Congress plays a role in this and what kind as, as voters what are some things we should think about when going to the polls in terms of what we need as a representation in Congress in, on these issues
3: yeah, another great question. Yeah, Congress definitely plays a role, even though it's a non-voting delegate, right? But, um, you know, the issues that we raise and um, how they're presented and, and integrated into uh, the discussions and dialogue in Congress, um, you know, are really important. Um, you know, I think, you know, we're always every, you know, every forum we go to, we always have to constantly educate who we were interacting with. Um, you know even at the United nations and you know it's it's almost like um it's almost like structural violence in some ways, but <laughs> this is something that we have to overcome if we want to um you know achieve this and um yeah, the who we choose is very important um you know I think that 's where the difference lies in, in these two candidates um, um, I think one um uh, I'm not exa- one. I think was even trying to introduce uh, a bill for regarding uh, making tomorrow a tribe, and uh, I think that would be a step backwards in regards mm-hmm. to um, you know really trying to promote the self-determination and decolonization. Um, yeah, so I think um, you know that who we who we select is is, uh, is important.
1: No, and Sidus and, uh, Masi tatu sabina senator for for coming on. And I also wanted to hear your thoughts because um, I remember it was almost two years ago that you were one of the senatorial candidates that was across the street from the entrance to NICTAMS protesting about Magua, about sort of the desecration of remains and artifacts by the military during their construction. And so that's, that's another thing which, um, off, you know, whoever represents us, in the, in the Congress that, you know, they have to be on top of, right? Because these are federal actions, federal policies uh, in our island. And so I wanted to hear your thoughts as, a, you know, as an activist in the community, as a leader, sort of um, about the role of the local legislature, but also sort of whoever represents us in Congress in terms of providing oversight, passing off information, engaging um, about sort of things like the
3: military buildup. up yeah that's uh, that's an important question i think um I think the problem lies um we're not speaking to the decision makers you know when we protest here we, we we don't have the direct access to those who make decisions and that's that's the the quandary that we face as a uh you know colony we don't have that direct access um, so whoever we do choose in congress uh you know that they they provide that Access. I feel. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I think that. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we need to push to speak to these decision makers. And when we do these protests, uh, we may not be accessing them properly, or accessing the right people or making the decisions. Uh, you know, people that are here uh, that represent the military are, you know, following orders. Uh, generally speaking, I mean, they do have the the ability to pass on information up the chain of command, but, um, you know, I think that uh, we need to be more, um, you know, proactive in reaching those that that can make these decisions.
2: Absolutely. I think uh, one of the big things that we always have to remember is that even though Uh, Our congressional representative is in Washington, D.C. The voices of the people are here. And so in making this decision, one of the things I always remember is, well, who do I feel has been listening to the community that even went away has stayed connected to really the heartbeat of the community, the, the genuine concerns of all constituents, not just ones that agree with with, you know, this person, but everybody coming from every point of view, because you know, this is the one voice that we get, whether, you know, it's voting or non-voting. We want to make sure that that voice is loud and clear and that it represents all people of Guam. And, you know, I think that um, that's what I'm going to be thinking of in the runoff election, but that's also what I look for in the local legislature. And so um, I really have appreciated how accessible you are to the community and how sincere you are in addressing the issues that you have always been very clear are important to you. Um, that said, I did want to say, what's something we can look forward to in the next two years? What's a either a law or a, an initiative that you um, have in mind and um that you maybe want some support or or feedback from from the community
3: yeah so I think whenever uh like the last term what um what was in the what was the need whatever the community need was at the time i think kind of um you know influenced the the type of um legislation so I think at the time there was um uh, the um Receivership, federal ending of the federal receivership of Guam Solid Waste Authority. So that was, I believe, my first legislation was to to provide the financing that would help to do that. Um, So now we're feeling we're dealing with COVID, right? And I think the the public health uh, emergency is at the forefront of everybody's minds. You know, we need to restore the health of our community. Um, We need to build up our healthcare capacity. Um we need to and, and as far as economy goes, we need to diversify our economy i mean with the halting of our largest um uh, economic driver tourism, you know it really made apparent that we really need to diversify our economy and that's something I've already started in in this term mm-hmm. uh, I helped to diversify um you know by promoting green businesses uh through through various pieces of legislation and um I, I would like to continue that work, you know, in, in not only promoting green businesses but uh, social entrepreneurships, which basically uh, their model is to address needs of the community within their their business model. So, like healthcare is one. I think IT is another one. Um, you know, that's that's an important piece when it comes to addressing uh, social distances and social distancing at the workplace. Uh, so these things I feel like are COVID-resistant type of, of industries, and um, yeah, I definitely need to work, uh, I'm willing to work uh, on that. Um, the other thing is education. Uh, this is something that I've been working on in this term, is trying to diversify our education uh, within Guam Department of Education. I've sat with down with many stakeholders, educational stakeholders, and I want to continue that, that work. Um, to, to, to diversify our education which can lead to a diversified economy um, so again it goes back to sustainability you know how are we going to sustain ourselves and diversification I think is a key component in addition to localizing uh, our, our economy mm-hmm. in addition to you know protecting our resources and, and our cultural sites you know all of these things are important and and also the work that I've done with procurement I mean, this is something that affects businesses, and I, I think it's a big part of rebuilding our economy. If you know, government contracting is a potential revenue source for those businesses that are looking to stay afloat, and we need to make sure the procurement processes are fair and open. Um, and that would also, in the long run, uh, help to reduce government expenditures. So, and, and in general, governance issues. You know, I think um, we need to develop a, a you know better governance uh streamline the government i think is another thing you know we need to make our dollar go farther mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um you know whatever savings we have should go back into the direct services to you know you know businesses helping businesses helping our community um so you know i think more of a holistic on a holistic level um yeah so there's there's so many things to be done um you know the drugs in our community that's another issue it's affecting you um, know our schools, um, mm. it's affecting uh, you know families. Um, that's something that needs to be addressed too, as well. So there's there's never ending. I feel things that that can be done, and I always look to the roots of of the problem. That's how I would like to address it: is look at the roots and try to find solutions that can can address those roots
2: and uh, provide more long term solutions. No, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh,
1: thank you so much, uh, Senator Sabina. Um, thank you so much for, um, yeah, for sharing what you've done, sharing your thoughts, and we look forward to sort of the working with you in the next two years on a lot of, and hearing more about a lot of things that you mentioned. Sidzus Masi Tatlu. Sidzus Masi. Oh, you're very welcome, and thank mm-hmm. you
2: too as well. Okay, enjoy your and,
3: weekend. And uh,
2: thank
3: you to the, your listeners too for their support. I, 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 I'm very grateful. Uh, for
2: their continued um, confidence and, and trust in me. Viva. Viva. See, that's <laughs> awesome. All right. And hey. so we've,
1: actu- we've actually gotten some, some questions that have been sent in. So somebody wants us to ask our guests what they think about Operation Christmas Drop.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> you know <laughs> what?
0: Uh, Rich Rocks actually told me, too, to ask you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I so think we can tackle that soon.
2: <laughs> Senator Perez, are that. you still there?
0: Uh, hello?
2: Hello, this is... Uh, hey. Oh, aren't Bredal- no, we can yeah. ask our next guest. <laughs> Great. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, day. buenas,
1: senor. Uh, this is uh, senor Fred Berdalio Jr. Thank you again for calling in. And so, uh, senor, are you there? Yes, yes, this is Fred hey, Bredal- day. And so yep. you are Halfway. on the decolonization conversation right now with Independent Guahan. And for this episode, we're we're talking to some of the people that ran in the election you know, and, and some of the issues, looking ahead, okay. and especially because we've got the runoff election that's still left to, to sort of to contest. And so um, I will really, as from someone with your background, first of all, I just wanted to, to ask you, how are you doing, senor? Cause I, I'm doing cause okay. You, you Thank ran? You. Thank you. Yes. Oh, okay. You're good. Yes. You've got the. Did I'm you get good. some sleep? <laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Maulik, <laughs> know, and so yeah. And I'd like
4: to thank all oh, uh, again. I just like to give this opportunity to thank everyone: my family, friends, my wife, you know, close supporters, and everyone that came out to vote. It, although it was a low turnout, you know, uh, you know, it's just exercising your your vote that really. Uh, is, uh, you know, uh, very essential in choosing Mm -hmm. your leaders, and so the 36th Guam Legislature, congratulations to those candidates, and good luck to them, Mm -hmm. because they face, uh, you know, very challenging times to address the social, uh, political, and economic issues uh, ahead.
1: Absolutely. So, your background as a veteran, and as somebody who has worked in veterans affairs, and so I really wanted to hear some of your thoughts on that. I mean, um, so... For, uh, on some of the issues that we face, but I think even some of the issues that have come up during the pandemic. And so, um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, um, you know, we heard at different points during the pandemic about long lines for for some of our retired veterans. You yes. know Being made, they're limited in their access, being made to stand in the sun for hours sometimes. Um, social dis- distancing, distancing very difficult. And so, yes. from somebody that comes from your background, is a veteran, has worked on veterans' issues, how can we? What can we do about that sort of thing? Like, how can we ensure that those who have served receive the just, fair treatment and accommodation that they deserve for their service?
4: Yes, and and uh, and thank you for asking that. Uh, it, it's very uh, important, you know, because the perception from our veterans' community is that uh, the military, uh, you know, in how they um, uh, uh sort of uh limited the number of people accessing the base and coming with a schedule you know that limited them from coming in you know uh, um it was sort of like uh, they, they they felt uh, they didn't have any input and um and uh, and, mm-hmm. and they were just blindsided and, uh but the whole thing is that um um uh, there was two different um uh uh, places, you know, there was the Anderson Air Force Base. The Air Force uh, the, has their own. The Air Force Exchange has their own, uh, and an and Air Force Base has their own sort of like mm-hmm. um, um, practice. The practices they were doing for their safety measures and and accommodating uh, veterans. And then the Navy we also had their own, you know, separate uh, way to. Uh, because prior to the pandemic, you know, there was this. Um, new uh, uh, benefits coming out in terms of allowing anyone who has something like a 0% to, uh, you know, uh, service-connected to be allowed to shop in the, in the commissary. So even individuals who applied for those cards were looking forward to the, uh, you know, to that um, uh, benefit uh, mm-hmm. coming out, and then all of a sudden with the pandemic. And, and I, I explained, uh, you know, I've sort of uh, shared with veterans that I met on the campaign trail you know i was in the 2006 pandemic planning and i remember military personnel sitting around the table and um one of the things that uh, they were sort of a little bit quiet but they said that uh with a biological agent you know this is a a virus a biological biological agent now of course it's 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 um you know the uh it it isn't a a, an actual um, biological attack but it was you know a. uh uh, Covid nineteen, uh, you know, you know, from from all the information we have, was not intentional, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because it was global, and uh, one of the things that I remember when we were in our pandemic exercises back in two thousand and six is that the military community. We know that one of the things that it starts to see where, um, you know, the infection spread is so high, and uh, military individuals can't uh, are are you know on base mm-hmm. are starting to get an infection spread. To include their dependents, they would start shutting down their their gates, you know, and they'll go into a high level uh, uh, security thing, which affects, of course, the 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 veterans that are living off base, you know. And it was just trying to balance that because um, you could hear the military leaders leadership explaining, um, uh, you know, them trying to in, in the preliminary part of it how they uh, um, were were uh, ensuring that their operations, you know, um, uh, won't be affected. And uh and they always have that sort of sometimes it's a competing concern. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's where at least our 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 representative at the at the you know, with the with the federal, which is the delegate to Congress, you know, um the governor, of course, and the delegate and the speaker at the Guam legislature, um, uh, I think I if I can recall, uh that um, you know, that information was uh getting to them, all three, the speaker, the governor and the uh, and the uh, delegate and if all three sort of like um sort of like coordinate their messages to the military and to their to um the military leadership uh i'm uh i, I would think there would have it, maybe it could have turned out a little bit different mm. in terms mm. of uh uh how that situation uh was um was uh sort of like uh developing you know yeah, because you could see you know the the veterans and their long lines and uh, they were panic buying outside the fence, you know, Uh, I don't know whether you remember, uh, Michael, but you you, you remember the toilet tissue, the (laughs) toping, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, outside some panic buying, you know, and it was, it wasn't really uh, necessary because the shipping, the shipping of, uh, you know, goods coming to Guam wasn't affected. Right. And I Mm -hmm. think that's where Matson and people were just trying to calm everyone down the same, you know, uh yeah. there'll be enough for everyone in terms of the stock of grocery items, uh the necessities. And actually I even observe military people not only shopping uh at the commissary, but they're shopping even outside the fence, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and at our own local grocery shops and, and supermarkets.
2: I think it's uh, but um... it is it
4: was an issue that sort of like uh, how how can something like that be mitigated? Well um, you know one one thing is the it's very important it's just the communications how communications with the veterans uh you know the veterans um leadership and um uh and you know with the office of the governor with the speaker and with the uh, and with the uh, congressional delegate you know all um um sharing the information with the military leaders uh, leadership and, and and pushing that up to the veterans community
2: yeah, I think that, you know, it's one thing when veterans are concerned about having access to, um, you know, these stores that they have earned sort of the lower prices at, right? Um, but yeah. another thing is when we're looking at their health care and we're looking at their both their uh, physical health, their emotional health coming out of having served in wars... Um, we know that our veterans have always had uh, less access to the health care that they need. And this has been a struggle and it was also a struggle when they were only allowed on base in the weekends in terms of getting prescriptions and things like that. Um, but I think it's a long-standing issue of um, our veterans. I mean, already, you know, across the United States, veteran care is very poor. It's an issue all across the United States, but as well for us being so far removed, um, and, without, you know, consistent representation of the the needs of our of our veterans in Congress, our veterans often get ignored. And um, I wondered if you could speak a little bit to that. How is that connected to our status as an unincorporated territory? A lot of people yeah. don't realize that even if Guam were to change its status, and become any one of the other options, right? State, a state, an independent nation or freely associated. Our veterans don't lose uh, their benefits. They don't lose the ability they earned that. They earned their uh, retirement. They earned their coverage. They earned their access. Um and, you know, you see this in, you know, throughout the world, where you even see, you know, Filipino veterans uh, still yes, having these same abilities. So I think sometimes people think that, um, you know, remaining as an unincorporated territory uh, is better for veterans in a sense because they they think that they may lose all these things. But in fact, uh, if Guam had more representation and more voice in any one of these statuses um we could negotiate or advocate more strongly for our veterans so i wondered if you could talk about that how do we you know how does our status affect it what could our congressional delegate do in terms of really advocating for veterans and what could we look forward to if we decolonized
4: yes yeah yeah you know and and that's an that's important uh, you know serve sort of like uh um uh, information to share with uh, especially the veterans listening you know that uh, uh, because sometimes it may be uh typical of a veteran to be a little bit concerned uh, um, you know when they see political status discussions or or a change of uh, a relationship with the United States uh, but um uh i think uh the um the decolonization you know i i think wanpad has really done such a, a great job in really pushing out and and uh, i think the the independence movement has has been one of the most uh uh ones, uh successful ones to amplify theirs we just need the 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 uh pre-association committee and the statehood committee too to the, to to uh, organize their thing uh their uh, sort of like positions uh and uh, and 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 what i believe um um uh, is essential especially whoever is the delegate that that gets elected uh, uh on the runoff you know and and, and goes to washington dc uh, um, most likely, especially how it's looking with a Democrat administration with Biden, is that um, you know the uh, secretary. I'm sure there will be a change. And uh, uh, as much as Secretary, well, he came out and uh, and, and actually visited Juan, You know, uh, one of the, the things he met was with the governor's office. You know he 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 came out he came out here to assess what um, the veterans' concerns are and their needs and uh but with the the delegate there that would be uh, our Guam delegate though in Washington DC i can just imagine some of the kind of uh, uh, discussions uh long standing issues among the veterans uh, um, is the and, and i'm sure it will be coordinated with um mm-hmm. with uh the congressional leadership is that um, these veterans our own guam veterans are living in a in a in a territory unicorporate territory as we said right and um sometimes there may be regulations that uh or or programs that veterans are benefiting uh for states but not benefiting benefiting uh here because we're a unicorporate territory we're so far out out of sight out of mind and that isn't fair that isn't that isn't 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 fair especially when it comes down to and we were i i was talking to a couple of veterans and telling them that um and and some of the uh, of them that um in a situation that we are right now the veterans administration has what they call a fourth mission and that is that they see a hospital like our guamamo hospital um you know public hospital overwhelmed they can immediately through fema and through the health administration uh the u.s uh, um uh, health administration give some veterans uh um professional medical professional health care workers that come out here and help guam all it is is a request from from uh the office of civil defense through fema and through health and human services uh, uh to uh, veterans administration and they'll they can send probably 20 they could send 20 nurses or, or something it could be a contingent just like the military did we didn't see that happen here in this in this situation but it would have been a gesture And uh, especially we don't know how long this, uh, uh, you know, this uh, situation with COVID-19 will will go on, you know, and and how it's devastated the economy and how it's challenging our our Mm -hmm. public health uh, infrastructure. But um, that delegate, uh, you know, that wins is going to have a a crucial mission of starting those conversations with uh, the the new leadership at Veterans Administration says, hey, you know, some of your Resources on your fourth mission to help states have helped states, but what about Guam? You know, and of course, the observation is um, looking at is, is the Northern Marianas getting the same uh, getting you know better uh, veterans uh, um, you know uh, administration res- uh, veterans health administration resources or other uh, territories like Puerto Rico, you mm-hmm. know, or or the Virgin Islands. Mm, uh, so, so those you, are the senor. kind of things that, should, that probably be, are going to be in the mind on, on some of that kind of conversation that yes. should be interesting.
1: No, thank you, Senor, because I, I think for a lot of people here, you're, you're really making the connection that there are a lot of opportunities, and a, but a lot of it requires that you have a strong and loud advocate in Washington, D.C. to get those because the federal government is going to go and do its own thing, and a lot of times it's going to leave Guam out and so you have to have somebody who can speak strongly and isn't a, isn't afraid to you know to step on some toes give you in english isn't afraid to what else do they say in english ruffle some feathers
4: <laughs> hello we got cut off
0: oh yeah. sorry
1: sorry uh, yeah yeah and so yeah. but i wanted to thank you so much for for making those connections about the possibilities and how um and how really you need to have somebody who's who's knowledgeable who's cordial who's got the connections and who's got the the plan sort of in Washington DC, and so, uh i know in Thank you for calling in. Okay, All right, thank you. Okay. Uh, All right. Okay. <laughs> hey, take care. Yeah. And so, Bye-bye. oh, I'm, I I feel bad. I feel bad because people have been sending me questions, but uh, but the conversation's already it's it's going. So we sh- we really should have a next year we should totally do some sort of radio presentation. Well, maybe before we
2: <laughs> transition to our next guest, we can, uh, I want to hear what you have to say about the Christmas drop you can tackle. Since both Raiden and, and the, the uh, other hosts here at Hit Radio right. 100 were wondering.
0: <laughs> okay, so we can talk about that, but let's take a small break. Okay. Yes, yeah, And absolutely. then we'll return. But don't worry, we'll talk about it. I haven't seen it yet. That's in case that affects any of this, but Me we'll neither. see. Coming up yet. Yet. next. It's here on Hit Radio 100 with Independent Guahan.